the single most important thing and way to get a job is to be qualified and relevant. We are unfortunately at a point now where companies really can't take a chance on people and we can't hire for attitude, train for skill. We need the people with those skills. That's how competitive it is right now. And not only do we gonna hire the people with the skills, we're gonna hire people with the attitude and the skills. With so much volume right now, so many folks out of work, how are you gonna stand out? How are you gonna engage? And how are you actually going to get the attention of hiring managers? And you could jam all the keywords you want into a resume, but if you don't have that experience and you can't properly articulate actionable results based on what you've done and accomplished, a good recruiter is gonna see right through that bullshit. The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. I don't know about you, but back in the day, I used to love the fawns on Happy Days. And I can't bring the fawns in, so I went to the next level and I decided to bring in the paws. You all know Adam Posner, and if you don't, you're going to get a chance to meet him. And one of the reasons why I love Adam is because he's somewhat irreverent, and I'm all about people who are like really comfortable in their own skin and let it rip on LinkedIn from time to time. I also share some things in common with Adam. We both come from the advertising world, which is definitely a place where people let it rip, let me tell you. But what Adam does today is he he runs his own recruiting agency. And one of the things that I really appreciate most about Adam as our guest is he never dumbs it down. And so Adam Posner, the pause and also the founder of an HP, please, please, like, give us the skinny on why it is you do what you do. Because you're, you're so talented, you could do a million things. I mean, you could have your own reality TV show as far as I'm concerned. I don't think anybody wants to see that, but I, I, I certainly appreciate the, the kind words, Lauren. It's absolutely great, and I'm grateful to be on the other side of the mic. Thank you so much for the invite and, and hyping me up. And I'm thrilled to be here and talk to you and your audience about what is happening out there in the world of recruitment, talent, podcasting, LinkedIn, what have you. But what it, what it really comes down to is I, what you see is what you get, right? Like I, <clears throat> for me, I, it, it's almost harder to think about being, trying to be somebody I'm not. And that would stress me out. Like that would cause me more anxiety. And I think that the problem is so many people these days, whether we're talking about job seekers or whether we're talking about folks on LinkedIn, when they talk about personal branding and authenticity, is they, they, they keep saying, be authentic, be authentic, be yourself. That's a, a lot of work for a lot of people because they may be the most authentic selves at home with their friends and their family, but they don't know how to be authentic in the job search or how, how, how authentic should you be on LinkedIn? And, and, and I think that's a real conundrum these days. What's, what's your take on that? Ooh. I don't know any other place to be or any other person to be because 
I already tried on all those outfits and they just mm -hmm. feel icky and they don't fit. And I, I initially, when I first came on LinkedIn, I was thinking like, I should look more like some of the other mm -hmm. quote unquote career coaches. And that lasted for maybe a week. <laughs> I was like, I don't think so. I just can't. I just can't. can't. And I, I think that's one of the things that is somewhat unspoken when you find people that you don't necessarily want to, you, you don't want to be them, but you want to applaud for every effort that they have in them, in their in, inside self, right? And that they, that they are comfortable enough, maybe being awkward, I'm super awkward, or being a misfit, so-called misfit, or, you know, being a dork, because I'm a Yeah. You know, all those things I think, I think it's work tough. when, when, when they're yours. It's, it's tough because we've created this society of comparison and it's a contest and it's a popularity contest and it's still the old school cool kids club. Right. And, and that's really what it's about on, on, on social media. And we got to break out of that. But the problem is when that's what you're being rewarded for and that's what you're seeing people monetize and people talking about how they're making money based on the number of followers and likes, what other game is there to play? And mm -hmm. if you transition that into the thoughts of folks who are out of work right now, with so many folks unemployed right now, it's a uh, it's like shooting fish in a barrel for a lot of these snake oil salespeople that are looking to take advantage of job seekers, and a lot of these you know career coaches out there that are not qualified and they're just buying systems of selling systems, right, into trying to get folks into coaching that don't really know what they're doing and they don't necessarily need it. And it's a uh, very nefarious place out there right now where you have folks who are giving a lot of bad information and they've never been in the trenches and they've never been a hiring manager, a recruiter. And, and just because you've hired somebody, maybe just because you've been in the job search, that doesn't necessarily qualify you to be a career coach. Yes, there's a lot of great, there are, let me qualify that. I know a lot of great coaches out there who have never been a recruiter or have never been in HR. But to me, that's the exception, not the rule. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I really want to bring this front and center because when we see we i'm saying you me on the on the side of the table where we are in service to job seekers clients people who are in this process and then we see what happened just less than 24 hours ago and a mass layoff across tech and it, it, it's not mm -hmm. going to be isolated it's not going to just ooh it's just this little pocket over here and then there's this so-called, you know, saturation of the market and people come to you and they're like, Adam, 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 I need a job. I need a job. Or they go through your job board yeah. or any of that kind of stuff. What is, what is the counsel that you offer them? Because I can only <clears throat> imagine the stacks of applications. Inbound. People, I mean, it's. It's a hard place to be when you're, you're on the sifting and sorting side. And so what I want to know, and I'm going to actually ask you, please, I know, and everybody who's listening knows that keywords are important. So that's cost of entry. Now mm -hmm. I want to know, what are you looking for? Yeah, it's not, it's not just a keyword. It's the, the, the proof behind it, the receipts, right? Like, have you actually done it? And there's a lot to unpack here. And, and I think first and foremost, it, it, you kind of built me up into this very reverent kind of say off the cuff kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm really, really empathetic and, and there's a real soft side of me and it hurts me with all the inbound messages I get from job seekers that are out of work and it pains me to tell them I cannot help you because I don't represent candidates. Straight up, I do not represent candidates. I represent 
the companies that are hiring. Those are the ones paying my bills. Will I give you advice? Will I give you insights? Will I point you in the right direction? Absolutely. Now, that's why we we developed a career coaching service, right? The career coaching service isn't necessarily going to get you the job, but I'm going to teach you everything that I've learned along the way. But the most important thing we're going to teach you is how to stand out. With so much volume right now, so many folks out of work, how are you going to stand out? How are you going to engage? And how are you actually going to get the attention of, of hiring managers? But let's hit the rewind button there. The single most important thing and way to get a job is to be qualified and relevant. Let, let's, just, let's just start there. We are unfortunately at a point now where companies really can't take a chance on people and we can't hire for, you know, hire, hire for attitude, train for skill. We need the people with those skills. That's how competitive it is right now. And not only do we going to hire the people with the skills, we're going to hire people with the attitude and the skills. Mm. And, and, it, and, and that's really what it's going to come down to right now. And so how are you going to stand out in, the, in this sea of noise? Unfortunately, right now, and this is just some real crappy, shitty, tough love, this is an awful time to, for the pivot. This is an awful time to pivot into your dream job. And I hate to say it because unless your dream job is something where there's a lot of inventory, a lot of open roles, you're competing against people who already have that experience who are years ahead of you who are out of work. So if I'm a hiring manager, I'm going to hire somebody who has those skills and experience right now and not somebody who's looking to transition into it. And this is a tough love. And, and this, is like, this is just a truth that needs to be said in this market right now. It's not something you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you because this is what's happening. Right? So, how do, you, so yeah. right. how, do you, how, do you, how do you stand out? How do you be different? And you mentioned keywords, right? And like, listen, you could jam all the keywords you want into a resume, but when the rubber hits the road, if you don't have that experience and you can't properly articulate actionable results based on what you've done and accomplished, a good recruiter is going to see right through that bullshit. And I don't care what any coach is going to tell you. Don't take the job description, run it through chat GPT, take the keywords out, put some bullet points in. Because we're going to grill you on that. We're going to see if you actually have that experience and you've actually done that. So don't fall for these AI-generated resume tools. Yes, they're very helpful, right? There's a lot of good ones out there, but don't take it as gospel. Really accentuate your strengths and call out the actionable results that you've done. Thank you, by the way, for turning the dial up on empathy because whether we're on this side or that side, it's painful. And painful. We, we are in this business because we want to see you thriving, happy, doing Winning. what it is that you came in for, right? Why did you come in for? You didn't come in. So, you know, nobody goes to dinner to have a bad time. Nobody signs up for their career for, for more misery. Mm -hmm. So you're here because you want to rock and roll. And we want that for you too. I, I, I think I can feel safe enough saying that. Uh, yeah. as a collective. It's fair. Most, most people are in the recruiting and people business are in it because we like people and we want to see you in. There's no, great, there's no greater feeling that I have as a recruiter than extending a job offer. It is exactly. a pinnacle of what I do. Like when I, when, I'm, when I get the privilege, a lot of times my clients make the offer and I'll ask them, like, hey, can I make the offer? Could I do that? And there's, there's, two, side, there's two reasons I want to do that as an outside recruiter. One, I want to be the intermediary so I can help negotiate, right? And so there's no you know, contention between the candidate and the client. I like to do that too. And plus, selfishly, I really like to do it. I really like to make that offer. That's a culmination of my hard work. And that candidate trusts me to shepherd him or her through the process and get them to that point. And that's the icing on the cake for me. So any clients out there, I like to do that. Yeah. And I, and I want to see that happy dance, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing there. You're right on it. There's no better feeling than to see that happen and be secured. So what you were talking about also in terms of standing out in terms of backing up your keywords and being able to to be articulate and and 
I understand this because this is where I came from as well, right? Mm -hmm. You represent companies. You represent the clients who are hiring your company to fill open roles. And you know what their criteria is. So for, for as many candidates as it is, there's still going to be an overflow between a lot of overflow and whatever that slate is mm-hmm. that you come to them with. Like the, the, the reputation is on you to make sure that you are aligning to their vision. So part of my question is, now that, I, now that you've, you listener have heard all this, right? how does somebody with the attitude, with the right keywords, how does that person really make it through? Now, I understand there's no hard and fast rule. Every client is going to be different. Mm-hmm. But where do you smell that secret sauce? What kind of like hidden gems? I can give you some that I used to work, work, look for, but things that may be innocuous to the average job seeker, but you can spot something. It says, now this, hmm, you didn't realize how powerful it was, but it was. Two things. <clears throat> One is tactical and anybody could do this is preparation. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two sides of it. If you are a passive job seeker, meaning you currently have a job, and I reach out to you as a recruiter, and you get on the phone with me, generally speaking, I don't expect you to do a lot of research on the role because I reached out to you, and you're currently happy in a job, and how much time you're going to put into it. But let me tell you this. I can't even count how many times I've had a conversation with a passive job seeker that loves the opportunity after I speak to them, and they are pissed off as fuck because they didn't do any research, and they didn't come across as good as they wanted to on that call. And they're like, whoa, tell me, whoa, hold on, tell me, tell me more about this. Wait, I didn't really realize, you know, what this is all about. Now, if you are an active job seeker and you do not come to the table prepared, if you applied for a role and I have to sit there and explain exactly everything about this and what the company is and you didn't do an ounce of research, that's going to go a long way in, in, in being a red flag to me. I'm deadly serious about that. You have to put in the work. You have to, honestly, I mean, it's not even asking that long. I'm asking for 15, 10, 15 minutes before the call. Just go through the website. Come prepared with questions. As a job seeker on an interview, if you, if I say at the end of the call, do you have any questions and you don't have any questions, that's a major red flag for me. That shows, again, lack of care, lack of interest, and lack of curiosity and care about your own journey. Now, there are some basic go-to boilerplate questions that you could always ask based on the level of the recruiter that you're talking to. Sometimes you're talking to a recruiter or company, they're very kind of entry surface level, kind of intake recruiter. Then you're talking to a hiring manager and there's different questions. Some of the great questions, simple ones are, what does success look like in this role in the first 30, 60, 90 days? That's going to give you an idea if they have metrics set up. That's going to give you an idea of, hey, is there an on-ramp of time where I'm going to have time to onboard into this company or are they throwing me right into the fire? Right? These are easy questions and you're not putting anybody on the spot there. I've heard some job coaches with these crazy questions that are so intricate. I'm like, that's a little bit, you know, you're asking a little bit much, right? Especially, I think a lot of the questions too, when people ask, there's a fair question to ask, like, is this a new role or a replacement role? And you can ask why somebody's not in this role anymore. But if they say, hey, listen, the person moved on, you don't push too far into that, right? Like, there, there, there's certain levels of being obnoxious. So I think that you really kind of have to feel that out. But again, it, com- it comes down to curiosity. Like, I want to see that as a soft skill trait in, in my friends, professional, personal relationships, and candidates as well. Right. I just want to also pull the adjacencies for mm-hmm. curiosity. You're hungry. You're mm-hmm. resourceful. You're not like somebody that's back and you say, do me. <laughs> Here, <laughs> do me, do me this job. Like, like, do me, you know, 
an Al McPherson body. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't work like that. Like you actually have to show like you because the way that you think, even in that very early process, is the way that, that they are, it, the way that you can forecast how you will think and how you will explore and be curious 100%. later point in time. So curious is, is, a, is a really wonderful pool to be swimming in. And, I, and, I, and again, I look for that trait in my friends too, like just curiosity, looking for why and asking questions and engaging and not boring. Now, <clears throat> I want to be very mindful with this too, because we, we live in an age where we have to be hyper cognizant and aware of neurodiversity and, you know, introvert, extrovert. And I'm not saying that this is like, this, this is a tough one to approach to because I think that certain roles, you should come with some excitement and energy. Like if it's a sales role, if it's a very client facing role where some of these, but like not every role needs that. And as a recruiter in a company, it's biased to think that every candidate should have that for every role. It doesn't mm-hmm. disqualify them. But mm-hmm. how do you as a recruiter have that level of empathy where you're kind of understanding a little bit? It's hard. It's speed dating. I tell my wife this all the time. I'm literally speed dating all day long. How am I getting a sense of someone's personality? How am I getting them to open up? How am I not disqualifying them thinking that they're a dud and not interested when they might be neurodiverse? Because not everyone's going to disclose that. It's a very hypersensitive and interesting world that we live in. And sometimes as a recruiter, you're walking that tightrope. So that was the tactical one. Is there a partner to that that's less tactical? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one. It's just, it just honestly, honestly, Lauren, it comes down to just listening as a recruiter and empathy and just, just letting people tell their story. Mm. And I think as a candidate too, if, if you have found that you're not getting past a certain round of interviews, then maybe it's time to have a hard look and, and say, maybe how much do I have to divulge, right? If this is causing me a problem, I can't be a mind reader. I, I, I'm not a mind reader, right? I, I do have a spidey sense as a recruiter. I do have the ability to pick up certain signals and energy from folks on a conversation, but I'm not going to be a mind reader. If you have a, a, you know, something that I need to be aware of, then a lot of times it should be disclosed because I'm going to be able to handle it better, right? I'm not talking about violating any disability acts or any kind of disclosures or anything like that, but things that might enable me to have a better conversation with you and keep you better informed and give you a, a fair shot. Yeah. Give me an example of, of, of what that would look like or sound like. Oh, someone coming to me and saying that? Yeah. Like, what should I disclose? <sighs> This, this, is, this is a tough one. I've had folks come to me with learning disabilities. One of, one of the first times ever, I was early in my, my recruiting career, about, about seven years ago, it was more of a disability than a learning ability. I had someone who was deaf, and they said to me in the email, I said, I'm more than happy to have the phone conversation with you, but I am deaf. I, I, I can't speak, and I have hearing aids. They said, I prefer to do a video call. You'll be able to feel a lot more of my body language and see my, my ignition, and, and likewise, I could see you and hear you better. And said, absolutely, right? Absolutely, I made a fantastic call. I, I don't know if that person eventually got hired, I don't recall, but the, they had the, the self-awareness to put themselves in the best position to be stronger and position themselves best as possible. So I want to flip this around just a sure. bit because now that we know the things that really have the holding power, mm-hmm. what are the things, and please do not just say like the opposite of that, what are the things that really grind your gears. What are the things, aside from preparation, Mm -hmm. what are the things that are like nails on a chalkboard that are going to not just piss off a recruiter right now, but is something, hello, like we need to all be aware of, like McFly, like don't do this again. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It, I'm going to be straight up with this one too. I'm not going to hold any punches. It's entitlement, and it mm. comes in all generations. I'm not talking about a specific generation. Entitlement comes in all different ways, and I see it all the time as well too. Salary expectations. I think this is a tough one too. In, in this day and age, where maybe three or four years ago, pre-pandemic, early pandemic, salaries were high. They're not. You're not going to get 100k two years out of school in a certain role. It's just not going to happen anymore. Things are recalibrated. Economies are different. And the way that you handle that on a, on a conversation says a lot about you too. Now, let's be mindful also, have pride and know your value and know your salary trajectory and your worth. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about unrealistic expectations and how you handle that response during a conversation. It's an incredibly difficult conversation for someone to have as a human, right? Like think about it. You're telling me, what, I'm asking you what you're targeting. You're giving me an obscene number. And now me as a recruiter, I have to think tactfully, how am I going to tell you that you're out of your freaking mind, right? Like, how do I say that in a way that's polite and respectful and still continue the conversation? Because listen, I give everybody the credit in the world. Your time to make more money, incremental more money is from job to job, right? If mm-hmm. you're staying in the same job and you're getting a raise every year over year, you're anywhere from two 3%. to four to five percent, right? Like we'll call it what it is. But you're getting a new job. That's your opportunity to go up, you know, 10, 15% if you want to be realistic at it. So shoot your shot, but be realistic, right? You know, other things that grind my gears, and, and, and this, is, this is more just the way I like to live my life. It's about managing your own expectations, right? Just because something is a priority to you doesn't always mean it's a priority in emergencies to somebody else. And how you handle those interactions, how do you handle follow-ups, how do you handle those conversations in a professional way says a lot about you. Patience. So I want to I just totally mm-hmm. dig into this. Yeah. So rewind. I was a mm-hmm. recruiter and I would get those calls from people. I mean, like serial callers every single day, every single day, every single day. It's like, oh my goodness. If I had something to share with you, I would. Like, I'm, it's not like I'm holding back. I want you to land the job, but this is this anxiety that you're spilling over onto, onto me isn't helping your case. It's emails and that kind of thing. So, what is the balance between persistence and pain in the ass? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, I, I think I mastered this because I have, I have my three P's, which are my four P's now. It's patient, polite, persistence, <clears throat> and provide, provide value, right? Those are my keys to relationships. Those are Posner's four P's. And persistence is an interesting one because there's a delicate balance of following up. And, and it's kind of, for me, it's kind of like the three or four day rule, right? That's kind of three or four business days. And if, it, if I talk to someone on a, on a Tuesday, it's going to be Monday right? Like I try not to, fr- like it, it's going to go over to the, to the following. I, I try not to hit people up on a Friday unless I spoke to them like early on a Monday or early on a Tuesday to wrap the week. Cause then you kind of have the context of, Hey, just checking in before the weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I talk to you on a Wednesday, don't email me on a Thursday, right? Like things take time. People need to understand there's internal processes. There's reviews, there's other candidates in play. And another, another interesting point about the job process too. And I tell t- candidates all the time, you may be coming in to apply when we already have folks at the finish line. Right. And I'm a recruiter. I'm going to tell you that and be like, hey, listen, I'm not moving anyone forward because we got three really good folks at the finish line. I'm happy to sit on your resume for a minute. If those folks fall through, I'll let you know. But there's no way I'm pausing them at the end of the process. I'm sorry. You could be the best candidate in the world, but sorry, you're late to the game. And we have to move this forward and we have to, for business reasons, fill the role. Exactly. And it's just, it's just timing. Sometimes timing does not work out in your favor. Let's be real. It does not. Exactly. So three to four days right? Generally speaking, and that's a light rule of thumb, depending on the, right? I mean, listen, if you interviewed, if you interviewed on a Monday, I would like some feedback by Wednesday. 
Thursday mm-hmm. the latest. That's fair. Exactly. Don't push it to the next week. And the other thing, because this comes up all the time, there's two things I want to talk about. The first one is when you're waiting on an offer, it feels like right? It feels like, and then somebody, maybe not you, maybe you, will say, we should know by Friday. Mm-hmm. I'll, I, I'll, I'll get back to you by mm-hmm. fill in the blank. And that day comes and goes and comes and goes. And that candidate is like a dog chasing its tail, like just over and over. And then, of course, the story making. So what is reasonable? Yeah. Now you didn't hear about And so, I mean, we've all heard these war stories, right? Like, you know, yeah. people that it goes at this point and they never, they never well, hear. So where, where is the delineation between patients? I got it. Like, you know, so I didn't hear from them by Friday. I'm just going to try to enjoy my hmm. weekend, do the, everything I can, distract myself. And then let's just say by Wednesday, it comes around. Yeah. Now what? This is a tough one because there's a lot of factors that happen in companies. And again, we're using some broad strokes right here, some generalizations here. But if you're a, a large, mid-sized company, sometimes there's a lot of red tape that has to go through for an offer approval. Mm-hmm. And folks need to understand that sometimes it needs to go through a few different phases and someone may be out. Maybe they didn't respond. And again, it goes back to it may not be your top priority to you. Of course, you're a job seeker out of work and you want that offer. But internally, they just didn't get to it yet. And of course, it sucks and no one wants to hear that. But that's the reality of it. The other reality, too, is sometimes there might be multiple candidates in play. Sometimes you may not be the number one candidate and they may have an offer out to the number one and you're backup for number two. You may not know that and it's taking a couple extra days because that person turned down the offer for whatever reason. You know how many number two offers I've made? Exactly. It's not such a bad position to be in, trust me. And most of the time, you're not even going to know you were number two. Exactly. Now, you were there. Yeah. You were there. You I were mean, there. That, and, and, there's a lot to be said for that because the person who you know, may have been their number one candidate has either three other offers or mm-hmm. decides, you know what? I'm going to take a world someone, tour and I'm going to join a rock band or something. If someone's like interviewing with you, you should be guaranteed that they're interviewing with your competitor. That's kind of the rule of thumb from when I started recruiting that someone's interviewing with you, most likely they're interviewing with your competitor because they're on the market. You think they're just interviewing with you? That's pretty naive. No. Exactly. Exactly. And then the next question, you know, like, okay, so there, there's, there's that kind of piece. Recourse, suggestions on ghosting. I mean, so, I had to add. <clears throat> this, I have some like general rules on ghosting. If you apply to a role, and just apply, and no one responds to you, that's not ghosting. That's not exactly. ghosting at all. For, for, for me, ghosting is if you have an interaction with a human being in any way whatsoever, and then they don't reply, that's ghosting. But there's different levels of ghosting. Mm-hmm. You have to also think about volume in this day and age we were talking about before, Lauren, that how, how inundated recruiters are with messages. Again, if you're not relevant, I'm straight, it's just a matter of like, I'm not gonna prioritize you. I have so, only so much time in my day, only so many times for phone calls. Now, there's no excuse. If you interview with a company, you deserve a, feedback. And when I say feedback, I mean that yes or no. Yes or no, am I moving forward? If you could give me some feedback, great. But candidates should really, it's tough. There's another tough one right now. There's another hot topic of how much feedback I should get. A few years ago, I gave a lot more feedback than I do now because we're in this litigious society where it just opens up can of worms. And if I give feedback and you're not going to agree with it, you're going to come after the hiring manager. They're going to come back to you. No one wants to hear that shit. And it's really tough because you as a recruiter, you as a candidate, you want to hear why a, I put my time, my energy, my emotional you know, desires and wants into this role, and now I'm not getting it. Why am I not getting it? Tell me. Mm-hmm. What could I do better? What could I do better next time? What could I do to improve? But we're in a tough position, too. And, and I, I try. I try to give as much as I can, but it's tough. It is tough. 
it is tough because from the point of empathy, right? You're not there. Sure, it's helpful. It can be helpful. But you also want them to keep their own momentum and keep going. So I'm not going to like sit there mm-hmm. and barrage, you know, a, a, a bunch of critiques around this. That's, that's not my place, right? I'm acting as a recruiter. Mm-hmm. So yep. the last thing I want to talk about specifically before we jump into these signature questions is the skinny on ages. So you're like, oh God, That's I real. hate you now, right? I, and being <laughs> focused on tech, which basically is a synonym for young and fresh, startups also can borrow against that, mm-hmm. that halo effect, and certainly advertising. So mm-hmm. all three of those have uh, you know, a wrap around, we, we want young, we want energy, we want this, we want that. I mean, that has always been the word on the street. Is it changed? Is it the same? I, w- I wish. I wish I would say it would change. You know, I, I do my best as a recruiter to remove biases in, in all ways. And, you know, I push back on my, my, my clients as well. Ageism is a real thing and it's terrible. And I have a lot of friends. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in this now, geez, I mean, I'm an old, I'm in this old man phase now and you're going to laugh at me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I laugh at it now. I'm, I'm turning 45 and I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends that are out of work at this age and they're experiencing it. They're like, Hey, when I was out of work 10 years ago, I was able to get a job in, 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 in a month. Right. And I say, well, there's a couple of factors at play too. One is your, your, your compensation. And if you think of, you know, jobs as a pyramid, you know, going up the ladder, there's less jobs, higher you go, right? It's like pretty simple, like, you know, higher demand, lower supply. And that's just a matter of it. So I think they have to balance if that is really ageism. And the other factor too, is a lot of buzz out there about, you know, say I've been a VP, you know, for 10 years and I'm out of work and I see an open director role and I apply, of course I could do it. And of course, I'd be a value asset to that organization. But if I'm a company, my fear is that somebody's just going to be, and this is a real fear, and this is straight up truth. There's a good chance you're taking that job because you need a job. And if something better comes along and higher money, then you're going to be out in a couple months. And you can't even tell me that's not true. Well, what I can tell you is that with the tenure shortening and shortening and shortening, mm-hmm. with somebody who is, I'm going to borrow your word, but I yeah. use it to just say relevant, right? If you're relevant, I'm not saying ageism is vaporizes. I'm saying that there's less, it's less of of a prejudice, Mm -hmm. right? Or or bias, you know, somebody who is on top of what is happening today, call it AI, call it whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. You, you are, you have a longer runway. And so I definitely, I definitely want to make sure that both messages are heard. The second one is that who, who, who's the grown up in the room mm-hmm. when you're in these environments with, with a, a bunch of, you kids. know, kids out of college. You need to have adults. You need to have adults in the room. And I think there's comp- listen, I, I see it as a complete competitive advantage. The companies that truly embrace and understand folks, they, they take away that, that age, they see it as experience and wisdom. And if they come to the table and they're on top of their game and they have the results to prove it and they're on top of what's happening tech-wise and and if the role requires knowing what's happening in pop culture that they know what the hell the slang is and happening. But guess what? Most jobs don't need that shit. They need really good people who know what they're doing. 
And the companies that hire those people who might be, you know, the old gray beards are going to get a ton of value, wisdom, and that old school work ethic that we need to bring back here right now. So like that dedication. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for it. Believe me, right? Like, I love experience. I also love the energy of youth. And I mm-hmm. also love how, you know, learning and has been so democratized, you know, over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years with technology that it's kind of closing that knowledge gap as well, too. Knowledge versus experience. But I also... I, I'm old school and I truly believe that years in role, in market, in working with other human beings, experience, paying your dues, going through, you know, the ups and downs, being in the trenches, it goes a long way. Those calluses have value. Mm. Mm. Well, that explains everything for me. <laughs> Adam, I, I want to turn this over to one of my, we do three signature questions around here. And you know, it, it kind of like is a, a nice little alliteration. I want to know, Adam Posner, what your post-it note would be. <laughs> what people who are in the search right now have as a post-it on their desk or close by as part of this process of working with a recruiter, getting hired, mm-hmm. and tell us. It's pretty simple. It's plan your work and work your plan. <clears throat> yeah. It comes down to that. It's a, mon- it's, yep. it's, it's a mantra that I repeat every single day. And it keeps me focused, plan your work and work your plan. And I work off of post-it notes. I work off of post-it notes. And every day, yeah, I mean, I go through thousands of them. I love them. It shows me what I need to get done tactically, keeps me focused. It gives me eye on the prize, what I need to get done. And these are the tactical things. The big-term goals I have on my board over there, I know my, my, my big projects, my big, hairy, audacious goals, my business development, everything's happening on that one. But as a job seeker, especially if you're out of work, this is going to be the hardest job you've ever had. And you have to come every day with a plan of action. I'm going to apply to X amount of jobs. I'm going to follow up with these folks. I'm going to create this content. I'm going to create a post that's going to talk about my career narrative, my career story. I'm going to create you know, more content around my thought leadership and expertise. And I'm going to plan my work. And then I'm going to put it to work and work my plan. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I don't know if there's a podcast, wink, wink, or a book that you want to steer people to that also like maybe rips off a Band-Aid and also puts some salve on it. So direct us to the resource that you find to be most recommended or the one. For job seekers? Mm-hmm. <sighs> this, is, this is a tough one. I wouldn't say it's a book per se because by the time a book's out, it's out of date. Um, exactly. I, I'm a big believer. I think there's some real thought leaders on LinkedIn. There's some folks who are really putting out some strong content and telling you how it is. And there's amazing folks out there. I'm, I'm drawing blank to you, you, all, the, all the, the, the typical ones. But I would just give people advice this way. Don't, don't, do, you do, do your own due diligence as a job seeker. Before taking someone's advice, make sure that they're in the arena, that they've been where you want to be, that they're actually in the trenches. And they're not just regurgitating some empty platitude that's going to lead you in the wrong direction. For example, take your shot. Apply to everything. I think that's bad advice. I know you're going to probably ask this question too. You should not apply to everything. You should not apply to everything. You should not. If you're not qualified, don't apply. You're taking away someone's chances because you're flooding the market. I'm sorry. You're doing a disservice to everyone else out there right now. I did it myself. I was looking at, I was looking at full-time recruiting jobs a few weeks ago, right? I was looking at some things and I, I didn't just hit the easy apply button for shits and giggles because I wasn't qualified. I didn't have that experience. It's just going to flood the market right now. Mm -hmm. My kind of rule of thumb there is kind of like the 75, if you're like 75% qualified, if it feels good then go for it, right? But you're 50%. No, I'm sorry, in this day and age, you're not, zero chance you're going to get the job. Mm. 
And that's that's a big aha because I don't know about you, Adam, but I am like ruthless about people being judicious with mm -hmm. their time. Absolutely. Your time, Mind your time. Your time, whatever you're doing, if you're in that spray and pray mode, like it's only hurting yourself because you, then you show up for interviews and you're like, I got the case of the efforts. Like, I just can't. Like, I'm done. I'm dead. So really, really, really guard your time. And so I'm really, I'm, I'm just glad that you brought that to light. And then lastly, your walk-up song. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny too it, it, it has nothing to do with even the the messages it's just a vibe I, I grew up as an old school late 80s early 90s wrestling fan and for me it's it's always Hulk Hogan there's something about him there's an energy and it's always Hulk Hogan and the song is I'm a real American and I think it's Rick Derringer I, I, I forgot who the artist is on on that one but there's just something of vibe and that's his walkout song and it's just energy and anytime I hear it it just gets me pumped He's coming into the ring. He's waving that flag. And if I, anytime I hear it, I get the chills and it, and it just pumps me up. Awesome. <laughs> you can go find it afterwards. You're going to be like, oh, I, I, sure am. I didn't know Hulk Hogan was <laughs> in on this, but I'm glad. Yeah, he he's in on it. Yep. Welcome to the show. So, of course, <laughs> we will in include links to you on LinkedIn, your website and agency. But also, can you do a little infomercial on your podcast? Sure. So every, everyone out there, I am the host of the podcast, a globally ranked top career show, where I love to talk to amazing folks from the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship and unpack their life journey told through the lens of their career. And you can find that at thepodcast.com. Mm. I knew I liked you. You're just, <laughs> you're, I'm glad you're you. I really yeah. am. And thank you, dear listeners, dear listeners. I'm like patting my little heart. We always appreciate you coming and sharing some time with us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, it would be awesome if you could put in an Apple podcast review. We'd really appreciate that. It helps us grow and it also spreads a lot of good juju and we're all about that. So thanks, Adam. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. And we're, we're going to hit the button and go on the rest of our day. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears. Big time. We ask this. Use these tools. Not tomorrow. Right now. And share them by spreading the love. Leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.